Uh, welcome to the next episode of Adam Asks. I'm uh, thrilled to be joined by uh, Mr. Richard Hayes. Good afternoon, Rich. Thanks for joining me. Good afternoon. Nice to be here. Uh, how are you doing? Very good. Thank you very much. Good, good. Thanks for coming to town. It's a pleasure. So. I'd like to kick off by asking for, if you could just give us a bit of your background. Yeah, sure. Uh, for people that don't know, you can give us a bit. Yeah, just tell us a bit about you, please. Of course. So my name's Richard Hayes. I'm CEO and co-founder of a business called Mojo Mortgages, working immensely hard to make mortgages better. We seem to be doing a reasonably good job, actually. There's some good traction and um, we're winning some awards and it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun year. My background has primarily been financial services. So I started my own car finance business when I was 21 years old in 2008, which was quite possibly the worst year yeah. of the last millennium to, to set up a, a business in financial services. But um, it, taught me, it taught me a heck of a lot. Um, and it taught me definitely how to pivot, which I would say is probably one of the most valuable lessons in any entrepreneur's experience. Yeah. And I've done a variety of things over the last sort of 10 years, but Mojo was, it has been and certainly feels like the biggest and most, most impactful thing that, 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 I've, that I've been a part of. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, you know, the last 10 years has all been about getting me ready for taking on a challenge of this size because mortgages is an absolutely ginormous market to try and crack and improve for sure. Yeah, but what inspired you to, to launch Mojo? Probably a, le a less obvious answer than you might expect. I'd had um, a more traditional sort of financial advice business. So yeah. we we're selling life insurance, income protection, home insurance, mortgages. We sort of fell into mortgages really. So we were, we were really growing the insurance business. And um, I guess, you know, as any sort of typical entrepreneur will do, they spot an opportunity. Hey, why don't we ask them whether they want their mortgage sorted out? And, and uh, so we skilled up and, and started to, to evolve the mortgage business. And, and what we basically found was that being a mortgage broker, first and foremost, was a really, really bad job. Yeah. Um, very, very arduous, lots and lots of form filling. Yeah. The customer had lots and lots of forms to fill out. And you could spend hours and hours and hours on uh, with working with the customer and end up not getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that was a bad experience for the colleague, but it was also an immensely bad experience for the customer. And so uh, it was sort of equally colleague and customer experience that I think drove me to think, you know, we could probably do something to fix that. Yeah. But when we first sort of moved into uh, a more technology-focused business or becoming a more technology-focused business, and I would describe as now as a technology-enabled business, so human beings are still front and center mm. of what we do in terms of consumer engagement, we effectively, uh, I guess, determined that there was a much better way of approaching it, but how do we take an old business that we've already got, that we've already established and bring it effectively into the 21st century? Yeah. So when we started out, we started selling online life insurance, income protection, all the other bits and pieces that we were already doing. Which a lot of other people do. Yeah, yeah, way. absolutely. And, and any sort of technology startup will quickly realize, and we certainly quickly realize, that selling all those products and trying to create better experiences for customers across many different verticals was hugely challenging. It's, it's a little bit like Adam deciding that they're going to go and do recruitment, but also, I don't know, work out how to run a restaurant or to do, you know, I mean, it, they are genuinely yeah. that, that different in terms of problems to solve. Yeah. And so without a massive budget and without the ability to set up multiple squads internally to solve all of those different product problems, uh, it became too challenging. And so um, after launching, we launched initially as Lifescrape and uh, in 2017, and then as we got towards the end of 2017, although we had a really successful initial year from, from I guess, a revenue perspective and a customer experience perspective, we did some really cool stuff. It, it was really obvious to everybody in the business at that point in time, we needed, we needed to become more focused on solving our problem yeah. um, 
before we started tackling the rest of the entire financial services market. <laughs> and which I assume is, uh, is next on the list of well, challenges. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right now, we're exceptionally acutely, we're acutely focused on mortgages. Yeah. And what's, what's the uniqueness about what you guys do? Would you say there is a uniqueness? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton of unique things. Yeah. Um, so, so, okay, we launched uh, Mojo Mortgage, as Mojo Mortgages um, Q1 of 2018, after all the learning from the previous year. And we launched with some very prescriptive things. We wanted to achieve some cer certain things very early on in our, in our launch. So first and foremost, we wanted to be fee-free. So unlike 70% of brokers in the UK, we didn't want to charge the customer a fee for the, the work that we did. Yeah. So that's challenge number one. We wanted to right. be free to a consumer. We wanted to offer them a lot more flexibility. So we wanted to say, hey, come along whenever you want. Go and get a mortgage in principle whenever you want. Let us show you deals seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You know, Not have that same kind of constraint that you might as a customer be used to, which is booking a face-to-face -face appointment with a broker or going and sit in front of your bank manager or whatever it might be, whatever it was, was pretty arduous and we wanted to try and solve that problem. And we wanted to increase transparency and speed. So we wanted to say, how can we show you stuff, make it clearer as to what's going on. And I think there's a bit of a perception, and rightly so, that mortgages are really complicated, but actually the process itself is is pretty simple, it's pretty straightforward. Brokers do a good job of potentially overcomplicating certain yeah. aspects of the process. And that's not all brokers, but certainly a chunk of them. And so we want to make it clearer, we want to make it simpler, um, but we also wanted to ensure that you knew where you were at the whole way through the process. Um, there's lots of studies out there that that sort of uh, allude to the fact that you know, a lot of people feel exceptionally anxious through the home buying experience and process, yeah. and even the remortgage process. And really it was how, how do we launch an MVP that's gonna try and mm. nail some of those uh, initial pillars and then iterate and evolve from there. Yeah, so in terms of that evolution, where, where are you up to now and where, where do you see, I guess, short, medium, long term for, yeah. for the mortgage business? Do you know what, I've not moved a million miles away from make it more transparent, make it faster and cheaper, make it less, you know, mess, make it anxiety proof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, they've still been sort of at the core of all of our product work. I, I love, I heard, a, I heard a saying from uh, a chap over at TransferWise, he said that when we first started out, we wanted to delight our customers and we wanted to build a sustainable business. And we realized that actually, once we combined the two, we were gonna make some money yeah. um, and delight our customers. So it's how do we delight our customers sustainably? And I think it's an amazing message. Nice yeah, and I yeah, think we really nice. tried to achieve that because look we're, we're still a loss making business we we're reliant on external funding and and sometimes you can fall into the trap of just delighting your customers or just becoming sustainable yeah. and finding that balance has been key so that's really what the last 12 18 months has been around about lots of iteration and some some pivots not pin maybe not pivots but some sort of I guess opportunities that we've we've grabbed hold of so yeah. we launched a partnership platform um, at the beginning of this year which has allowed us to, to work with some amazing businesses to help them improve their own mortgage experiences and their own home buying experiences natively in their apps or in their web applications. Mm. That feels like a bit of a masterstroke. That was a, that was a good call that the business made to, to go down that road because it's opened up tons of opportunities and it's given us an opportunity as well to reach much more people. Yeah. And, and that's, that's important to the business. Yeah. We want to try and impact lives. It must be such a competitive marketplace that you're in both dealing with the yesteryear way, the mortgage brokers still, yeah. still tapping away, but I guess other, other competitive platforms as well. How are you, how are you going about acquiring, or what's the strategy to go about acquiring all these, these new customers? Yeah, I mean, I mean you're right, it's, it's really, really competitive. Yeah. Uh, paid search is, is ridiculous, and um, social's hugely competitive, and some of these businesses, I mean, we're, we're, 
you know, on face value, we're competing with, although we don't, we don't count all these people as competitors, but on face value, we're competing with Money Supermarket and we're yeah. competing with Halifax and we're competing yeah, with, you know, yeah. nationwide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and they're all spending 20 million pounds a year on brand. So, yeah. and outdoor and above the line and all that, all that good stuff. So we've had to be, we've had to be pretty smart. We're doing a lot digitally. So we're doing a lot via pay search and, and digital, uh, sorry, and display and social and those types of things. But we have to sort of, we have to play carefully, you know, otherwise we could get get away a lot of money and not generate much yeah, return. Yeah. So um, we've been working very, very hard in the last sort of 12, 18 months to really continue to improve conversion rates and really get customers through the process much more efficiently, better triaging um, and creating as good a physically as good an experience as we possibly can to just keep people engaged in that process because mm. we might have paid 17 pounds for that click. That's great because you know the, the product teams have just got this focus on we'll just create an amazing product and customers will stay and they'll enjoy it. So that's really been been our evolution. But yeah, that's that's been a big part. But now more recently obviously the partnership platform. So we started to part I think we partnered with nine, eight or nine businesses now, all different types of companies who either well primarily utilize our technology to unearth a mortgage customer and then once they've established that a customer has an interest in a mortgage product they then pass them over to mojo for for mojo to to, to complete that sale and, right. and, and introduce the customer to a product yeah. and so that's gaining some traction now it's about 15 20 percent of revenue we expect by the end of the year it'll probably be closer to 35 percent of revenue and uh, there's this there's, there's huge opportunities there yeah, great and what would you say have been the major major milestones in the in the mojo journey so far yeah uh, fundraising clearly because without without capital um, it makes it very difficult to achieve the things that we want to achieve yeah so I, d I definitely think you know we did three million pounds at seed although some of it came with our series a so effectively we did up until this year around 7.8 million quid and then uh, we also did around 2.2 million pounds last week so um, uh, as a little bit of a top up uh, it's like changing strategy towards series b so that, that that's yeah. been a that's been a big deal and obviously been an important part but there's been some other amazing achievements we um, we won innovation of the year at the british bank awards which was awesome um, and we were chuffed to bits with that. That was a good night out. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also won Best Mortgage Broker at the British Bank Awards as well, which actually probably in terms of the work that we we're doing is, is more important. You know, yeah. that's really us showing that we're good at what we do and we don't, we're not just a fancy tech startup that's innovative but isn't delivering and executing. Yeah. And I think um, the team as well, the engagement massive. with the team, pat on the back. Just yeah, to, massive, yeah. massive. And you know, we picked up a few along the way I picked up Tech Entrepreneur of the Year, which uh, from Prolific North, which was Brilliant. that was a really nice personal thing. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not the kind of guy. I'm a vet, like I thought about it for about 15 minutes, but it was still a nice 15 minutes. Yeah. And then it was okay next thing. But um, there's been some couple really really nice little bits throughout the year. But generally, just the traction, the customer feedback. You know, we've got. Um, you know, got post-completion NPS scores 83. Like customers are adoring what we're delivering, um, and that's been, I guess, the most gratifying thing this over the last sort of 12 months. And, and really, that's had the biggest impact because it's it spurs you all on to yeah. go and deliver more. You know, and want to help more people. And just on the investment piece, I mean, that's that's no mean feat to, mm. to kind of generate that kind of kind yeah. of investment. How have you gone about? How have you gone about that investment strategy? What what key learnings can you share that? other people who might well be on the, at the start of their journey yeah. might, might be able to learn from you. If you were to do it again, for instance, how do you go about doing it differently? What, what can you share with us? Yeah, so, so I get asked this a lot and I do quite a lot of talks. 
So there's not a lack of investment, there's a lack of good businesses. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think if you've got a good business, you, you'll get investment. Yeah. I definitely think that the most important thing that we evidenced early on was that we had some great visionary ideas, but fundamentally we, were, we executed. And I guess, or I hear anecdotally that a lot of investors see businesses that have this amazing idea, but they have zero belief that the team have the ability to execute that idea. Yeah. And so that's important. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to teach any of the listeners to suck eggs really, but I think know your space, like properly know your space, live it, breathe it, just really, really know it. That's important. You want to go into those first sessions and really say, I am a domain expert. I know what I'm talking about. And um, investors love data. So they're either a lawyer or they're an accountant. Yeah. And they both love the facts. And so being able to evidence stuff. Now, I know, and I know that's really hard in early stage businesses. But if, even, if you can, even if you can just hack together, like the, the, almost the thesis of, of what the investment is going to be formed around and say, we know that this is what's happening. Yeah. Here is the, the, you know, the economic data that suggests that a trend is about to take place, or you know, it's really about backing up the idea. Yeah. I would say, and and then and then actually the investment changes. Then you know, you get to the next round and the next round, and it all starts to change. So, so seed for us was very much around. We've got this amazing idea, um, and we can execute. And here is our track record, and here is how capable we are of achieving that. Series A became all around what hypotheses did you have yeah. right in that early stage and how far away from them are you? Yeah. Um, because you'll probably miss every single one, but it's just by how far and how many <laughs> that you miss that, that has an impact on, on that next round of investment. And, but the great thing about Series A is you can still frame it. You can still tell a story and they're still investing in the team and that story as much as they're investing in, well, how's the last 12 months been? Yeah. B then is, and we're just embarking on B right now, B feels like, and I've obviously heard lots of information and spoken to tons of people, it's where the nitty gritty happens. Yeah. It's where the- We've if you gone from the, the, the telling the story yeah. to, right, where are we up to now? What's the business like? Has it got, what mileage has it got in it? Yeah, the, yeah. There's, there's no more talking anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's all delivery. Yeah. And it's all, have you proven the size of the opportunity? evidence the size of the opportunity have you proven you can execute as a team as you have you proven you can you can iterate you can pivot where needed you can come up with big big impressive solutions to problems yeah and we've we have done you know we've got a great team and um unbelievable people within the business that have been able to to solve some really complex business problems but not only just solve them create whole new features and ideas that actually are marketable and really exciting and um, you know, we've still got some way to go to, we've got some clear targets to achieve Series B and there's some things we have to do from a revenue perspective and a, um, a unit economics perspective and mm. that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, fundamentally, we're on, a, we're on a nice trajectory towards where we need to be. So how many times have you, have you rolled out into a boardroom delivering this, this pitch to get investment out? Oh, I, I how mean, many, how many tens or honestly, hundreds? hundreds? Yeah, lots of rejection. Any Dragon Den type? Incidences yeah, yeah. where you've been made to feel really yeah. shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the road leading up to Buckingham Palace? There's an investors on the right hand side in a big swanky office. It's a big family fund, and I, I got ripped apart. Yeah, absolutely ripped apart. Um, 
it wasn't pleasant. Yeah. But I guess but they learn those experiences. About those experiences, though, not that you need any more drive than you actually have. Yeah. But I get they they make you actually want to just succeed. That Do you know what? They help you coin. More. They yeah. also help you coin and frame your story. And I yeah. think. Uh, a lot of the evolution of me, the scaling of me, forget, forget the business for now, the scaling of me as an individual, which by the way is imperative, yeah. to, you must scale in line with your business, has been taking a kick in time and time, going down to London on the train and listening to somebody say no, 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 no. It's, a, it's immensely empowering if you use the information that they give mm. you and you are inquisitive and you say, why no? Tell me why, why yeah, doesn't yeah. this not match your strategy? What's the problem? And there's definitely been shifts in our in our medium to long-term strategy to match some of that stuff because we know it's gonna be imperative. Yeah. Um, so things around evolving our data asset has been a, been a huge learning curve for us. You know, if somebody said to me 18 months ago, you need to evolve your data asset, I'd have just been like, has anybody got a diary? I need a new dictionary, I need to look up what data asset is, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and now like we're building this unbelievable data asset and we can talk about how we're commercializing it and how, you know, so it's really just, don't be afraid to look like a plonker and ask them a ton of questions, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and I definitely think that's, that, that's been important. Yeah. But it's been an amazing learning curve. And you talked about your evolution as a leader. Yeah. Um, what kind of self-development stuff do you get involved in, if you do at all, above and beyond your day job? So clearly there's learning on the job. Yeah. Uh, and the best piece of self-development is feedback. Yeah. Um, and as a founder of a business, so any founders that, that might be listening to the podcast, I think it's really hard to convince people that you pay to give you really constructive, let, let's get to it, criticism, like yep. not just feedback, like criticism about what you do badly. Um, and you have to create um, a layer of trust with those individuals to get them to a place whereby they're willing to say, do you know what, Richard, you're so bad at that, it's untrue. And you either need to stop doing it or get better at it. Yeah. I would say for 10 years of being self-employed, I got no feedback from anybody. And I just wandered through business life thinking I was probably good at what I did. Yeah. Starting this business for me wasn't just, there was a personal thing to it as well. I wanted to, I'd, I'd, I'd done built businesses and I'd exited a couple of businesses and I'd you know made some money and I'd done some good bits and pieces, but I'd not felt like I'd had any impact. Yeah. And so going into Mojo was almost me going into the new stage of who I wanted to be as a, as, as a, as a leader of a business and a leader of a team, a team, mm -hmm. a, a big team. And, um, and it became more around impact, impacting the lives of the people that worked around me, impacting the lives of our customers. And, and it made me completely rethink the way I, I approach stuff. Yeah. Um, and and that was mega. And that then allowed me to start, step back and go, no, I need feedback. Oh my God, like I've gone for 10 years with no feedback. Yeah. And it was amazing what I started to hear. It was brilliant. I had a piece of feedback last week. I'll tell you what it is. It's um, had a one-to-one -one with RFD and she said to me, do you know what, Richard? Sometimes in meetings, it's okay for you to leave a silence. <laughs> I said, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean? And she said, you know, sometimes you're so good at holding people accountable for stuff and you, you give it to them, you deliver it to them. And then you, you stop speaking and you can tell that they don't want to answer you, and, but that's your point to hold them accountable for something. And you just want to help them out so you carry on speaking. Yeah. That's a like really good feedback. No one's ever told me that before. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew, so I, I know I talk a lot. You're asking what the problem is and then fixing it for them. Yeah. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. And, and she's like, just shut up and let them solve it. <laughs> but I know that as well. So I'm, a pro I'm a definitely a product guy at heart. So I love, I love problem solving. Uh, you know, the, the first time I hired a, de a developer and was like, 
oh my God, I speak and can tell you stuff. And you can actually build that and make it happen. I mean, forget tickets. There was no tickets or anything back then. Yeah, it was yeah. literally just like, I speak, he goes off and tries to build what I told him at a million miles an hour. And I was just fascinated by that concept. And so, um, so I'm definitely a product guy at heart, but now we've got an unbelievable CPO. He's done tons of stuff in financial services. He was head of mobile at Skybet. Like the guy knows what he's on about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it took him about three months to realize that I constantly solutionize for everybody. And then, <laughs> and then basically there was this rule, like Richard's not allowed to solutionize. Uncle, Uncle Richard. Yeah, yeah, he's not allowed to solutionize. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's tons of things that it's I've It's important learned. though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, as, as business owners, founders, entrepreneurs, whatever hat you want to give us, we, we do want to create solutions for people, but yeah. then that stops those people. We're, we're not empowering them to make to, to well, learn and well, that make become mistakes. Better. And, they yeah. become better at solving the problem than we do. They're more yeah. in touch with the business. They've got yeah. access to the data. They pour over it every day. And you, you know, I've de that's definitely. I think when when you're a small, not a small business, but when you're a small team, doesn't matter about the size of your business. I think that's less of a thing. Like when you start to really say, okay, well, I'm building autonomous product squads. Yeah, you can't butt in. You know, you've told them that you've put that team together to build something to solve business problems. Don't then go and tell them what the solution to the problem is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But it's a learning curve for sure. Yeah. You've talked about building building teams. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, I'm really interested in the sort of the, the whole tech talent side of things. How are you going about? What's your strategy about building your business? Yeah. Um, especially for, for listeners who don't know, you're you're based in Macclesfield, which yeah. is a lovely part of yeah. Cheshire to live in. But yeah. Considering there's a shortage Not of people, because yeah, because there's a shortage of people in Manchester, which is purported to be a tech hotspot. Yeah. what are you doing? How how are you getting these folks? Look, look, I think we're probably having the same struggles as everybody else. I think, you know, I'm a member at Manchester Digital, and it's you know you go in and there's people from Auto Trader and Zuto and like big, you know, three, yeah. four, five hundred biz people business, yeah. thousand people businesses, hook group, and and then you you say, oh, well, oh, what's your, what the what are the main problems? Are people like, like always people, and it's always the biggest challenge. Um, and not only unearthing those individuals, then ensuring that you take them through an adequate enough process to ensure they don't come in and then upset the apple, apple cart. Um, and finding people that, that are in line with the behaviors that you encourage. Mm. So we've literally, we've recently rolled out um, some stuff around behaviors. So the call to, to, to mojo behaviors effectively is uh, discipline, it's empathy and why am I forgetting what the last one was? <laughs> I forget what the last one was because my wife's just calling me on this and I've silenced take my- it, Take it if you need to. I've silenced my phone and now my watch is buzzing on my arm. Uh, passion is the last one. Yeah. I shouldn't forget that because I'm a pretty passionate guy. Yeah. yeah, so we obviously then, okay, well, how do we establish that we're really challenging that they're the right people for Mojo instead of, whereas earlier on, you're just like, oh my God, he wants to work here or she wants to work here. Like give them a job yeah, quickly. Yeah. Um, it's now a little bit like, okay, well, this is even becoming harder now because we really care about the values and the behaviors of those individuals. So how are we finding them? I think we, we work really, really hard. So um, we have um, effectively an internal recruiter who uh, works literally full-time on unearthing um, individuals, yeah. which is okay. It's still hard to find tech talent, um, maybe not as big a challenge for ops. And then um, really it comes down to, well, the, rea the reality is they're probably interviewed at five places. So you've got to have an impact. If, if you want that person to come and work for you, you have to have an impact. And, you know, we all know that's evolved beyond table tennis tables now. We all know it's beyond um, free breakfast. And they're all things that we do, but it doesn't really, uh, we hope they don't come to us because of that stuff. It's about... Um, 
It's about what's the impact we're having yeah. and what's the impact that you're having on a day-to-day -day basis, literally just picking up that one ticket and getting it through to process. And you know, why don't you come and work for a business that's willing to share with you the, the intricate business problems that yeah. exist yeah. and you go about solving them. So I think it comes down more to impact in the actual structure of the organization. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people are looking for. And these people want to fix things. They want yeah. the most complex problems to fix. Yeah. And they want, they, want to, they want to make a meaningful contribution, which is what I've learned over the years. And as you say, yeah, yeah the, uh, the softer benefits, the beanbags and the table tennis, the, these yeah. are all yesteryear now, aren't they? Totally yeah, yesteryear. they want a quiet office, that's a fact. Yeah. And they want we've a called corner. them that historically, yeah, they, but they, we're they getting want, better now. They want a corner where they can hide <laughs> yeah. and go about the business, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, um, and then, uh, but yeah, and, that, and that's what, I think that's where we've succeeded to a certain extent. I, I don't mean to sound arrogant by saying this, but at the same time as well, you know, We've got, uh, I myself and there are other leaders within the business that are just so immensely passionate mm. about the problems that we're solving, the customers we're helping. And, you know, we've definitely used that to our advantage. There's definitely been instances where I've been pulled into an interview because we really want this candidate. Yeah. Um, so I can tell them a little bit about the problems yeah. that we're solving. And, and that has an impact too. And this next generation talent, they want to they work in a business that has a clear direction, a clear mission. Yeah. And a leader like yourself, who, as you say, is absolutely passionate about, 100% passionate about what you do. And that, yeah, I think so. That, that is, that's the, the, the law of attraction. That's and the, what and the access, people. the yeah. access to all of that. I think, yeah. you know, so, so often CEOs or, or, or senior leaders within organizations, you know, hide themselves away in corner offices. And I think, you know, People are just bored of that now. Yeah. People want to see me, yeah, like jumping up and down with joy when we sign yeah. a new partner. Or but on the flip side, they want to, yeah. they want to see when things aren't going. Yeah, well. they, they want, want to see me have a hissy fit if I think something's not great because then they know there's clarity. They there's want that authenticity, clarity. don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, absolutely. In 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 measures and in proportions, but yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we've got quite a nice balance there. And 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 actually now the challenge is we get, you know, we're 60 odd people now. What happens when we get to 100? What happens when we get to 150? How do we retain that attitude yeah, yeah. Um, and retain that culture fundamentally? And how are you evolving the work-life balance, working from home, flexibility? Are you a great advocate of that? Yeah. Um, so there's been times where we've reined it back in where we wanted to try and achieve things so we um we obviously wanted to really deliver autonomous squads from a product development perspective this year and also even from an ops perspective so our entire business works in squads um sort of cross-functional squads um and so there was some challenges to people just randomly not being in one day so we we curbed it a little bit now we've got the structures in place and we recognize that there's the balance certain balances um then it starts making life a little bit easier. Yeah. So um, we're literally just about to start a trial for complete homeworking um, for certain individuals within the business. So we're actually starting with mortgage advisors. So the first, um, the first, the first trial will be directly with can we can we have a mortgage advisor in Birmingham work full-time from home for Mojo, still feel part of a squad, still get all the benefits of what we're delivering in terms of culture and attitude and environment, but be in the front room, potentially yeah. in their pyjamas, whatever they want. Cool. As long as they get the work done. Isn't <laughs> yeah. It? As long yeah, as they get yeah, it yeah, done. Yeah. Um, brings me quite nicely on to obviously your wife calling you that. I know, you, <laughs> I know you've got a, obviously a very, very busy work life yeah. and a very hectic family life, yeah. as we were talking about earlier, you've just been away. Yeah. How the hell do you juggle being a great business person yeah. and trying to be the best dad and husband that you could possibly be? Yeah. Uh, um, 
Don't say you're failing at it. Cause <laughs> I need more. I need more out of you. Okay, I'm not. De- I'm not. I, de- I definitely think that's one of my biggest personal challenges. Yeah. Um, and I'm so lucky. I've got a very, 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 very supportive wife. Yeah. Um, Hi, Talia, by the way. <laughs> because um, she she puts up with a lot of crap, and I and I think you know, okay, you know. I'm leaving in 15 minutes. Four hours later, I walk in the door. Oh, well, somebody grabbed me and then somebody else grabbed me and then I ended up speaking to this person or, um, you know, I'm probably in London at least once a week and it's like, um, you know, we're watching the penny, so it's the eight o'clock train home, which yeah. doesn't get me back to, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, it's a real challenge. Um, I read a really interesting article about, um, it was sad actually, I don't want to take the mood down, but a guy who was a um, guy from San Francisco worked his absolute backside off it. It was viral on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago and um, he went to work one day and he walked out of his house at five o'clock in the morning not knowing his son was dead in bed. Oh. And he's just like, stop, <laughs> you know, stop. There is other important things. Yeah. And I challenge myself with that all the time, you know, like it's so, so hard and you know, it's a really serious thing. And, and I think it's actually one of the most impactful things on founders and leaders of businesses, mental health, because you, you convince yourself that working your ass off is to create something more meaningful and more valuable for your family. But you, you, the, constant, the constant internal turmoil to, yeah. well, what's the balance with, what's the, balance with the, the missing the, the family while you're yeah, doing yeah. that? And I think that, I'm sure that I hope that anybody listening to this who's, who's leading a business and has a, has a family of any age will recognize that that is just a, a really, really, really hard thing. And though I can't, I'm certainly not sitting here saying I've got the balance perfect. I will say that I'm trying harder every day to do it. And I do th- things like, like there's some set rules. I don't miss sports day. I don't miss, I don't miss parents evening. I don't, you know, there's things that I am yeah. just like rigidly they're set sac- in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, no matter what it is, I'm walking yeah. out of it and I'm going to yeah. those things. Any, any breakfast times or any, any evening so I do school runs. Do. I do school runs. Cool. So that's great. So uh, depending on who I'm taking and it, it varies from day to day who I'm taking to school. So, um, so I get school runs cool. very, very rarely home for bedtime. Um, but I try and the kids seem to just be getting to bed later and later and later. <laughs> so that's working pretty well with my yeah. schedule. Uh, so probably not for their moods in the morning, but um, yeah, I think so. I, I think as a, as, a, as a family, we have to adapt and we have adapted as a family to try and make it work, you know, um, but at the same time, it's the age old adage of you'll regret it when they got, you know, you'll regret it when yeah, yeah. you're done and you've, you're retired and you think, oh. But you cherish, you cherish, like you're saying, you, you, you take the, the, the kids to school in the morning. That yeah. must be time that you absolutely cherish. Yeah, I love it. That, you know, practicing, your... practicing my daughter's spellings yeah, with her on the way in, perfect. all that yeah. good stuff, yeah. yeah. And you know what, it, it encourages as well, you know, at the weekend to get out and do stuff. And we were at Formby Beach this weekend and we go to the beach quite a lot because we all love the seaside. Yeah, so brilliant. things like that, you just force yourself to say, no, no, come on. Because yeah. it's so easy to just turn the TV on and chill but yeah, um you have to get that balance right yeah brilliant rich well that's it's been fascinating listening to your story i'm sure everyone that, that does listen to it will uh will, will definitely agree with me thank you so much for bearing your soul and everything no it's um, a pleasure i like to just just finish the pod by asking what what's what would be your top piece of advice to share with other entrepreneurs who are maybe starting their journey mm-hmm. halfway through it maybe a similar similar path of their journey what what, yeah. what would you advise first of all take the leap if you don't take the lead, you'll never know. Yeah. Uh, so many talented people that I speak to that could easily be running their own businesses and being hugely successful at what they do that just haven't taken the leap. So first of all, take the leap. And then 
find something that you're passionate about. Don't do it for doing its sake. You know, I'm passionate about impact and, and, and running an amazing business and working with amazing people. You know, I'm really excited about fixing the mortgage, but I'm not, you know, it's like mortgages are mortgages. Like the, the output is the exciting thing for me. Yeah. And, um, and the impact on lives is the exciting thing for me. And then the mortgage is the bit that we just got to get right in the middle. Um, so be passionate about what you do, because um, especially if you're going on fundraising and that type of stuff, they'll sniff it out straight away yeah. if, you don't really, if you don't really care. And something that I've definitely learned more in the last 12 months than ever before is um, be disciplined. Yep. Be disciplined, understand when to stop talking the talk and, and start walking the walk and lead by example. You know, Make sure that people understand around you and in your team and within your organization that the execution's where it's at. And in order to achieve that, people have to be disciplined and they have to stick their headphones in and get that report written or get that business case done or do that analysis. And you know, like that's where, that's where the opportunities created in the margins, in the delving into the detail, in the discipline. And for sure for me, discipline's a, a key attribute. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's Thanks for your time. And uh, obviously looking forward to hearing uh, all the successes that, that Mojo has. Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Thanks. For our next episode of Adam Asks, I am thrilled to announce that I'm chatting to Steve Bartlett, who is the CEO of Social Chain. Steve is one of Manchester's most well-known entrepreneurs, and he candidly shares his business story to date, what he's learned, and how the world might look in 10 years time with all the advances in technology. I can guarantee that this will be a mind-blowing episode. I do hope you can join us.